0: Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success birds, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star- Star You Are. The party starts now.
1: Well, hello, power partners, and welcome to Star Style Be the Star You Are, where today we are gonna be flying with dragons and going to the land of leprechauns and shamrocks. And, of course, uh, going to fire and ice. I am Cynthia Bryan. Happy summer to everyone. And I am very thrilled to be with you today here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, brought to the airwaves from Be the Star You Are charity. We strive to seed, stimulate, and support space for some meaningful, positive, uplifting, and fun conversations. Well, we hope that you have had a great 4th of July and a great kind of respite from all the craziness that happens to be going on and, and the heat waves that are happening throughout the world. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are. You can visit the charity at Be bethestarur.org. And this is from George Moore. A man travels the world over in search of what he needs and returns home to find it. Well, that seems kind of appropriate today because uh, I have just returned, as has Heather Brittany, who will be joining us in segment two, from a great adventure in both Ireland and Iceland. And uh, it was it was uh, rather interesting because the night that I was leaving for Ireland and we had I had weddings and I had meetings with first grade teachers and a pen pal who I've been writing to since the age of eight that was flying in from Norway to meet me in Dublin um, and that, that before I left. My flight was canceled just a few hours before I left, and fortunately, I looked at my cell phone at, at my text at around nine p.m. and my I was supposed to be leaving for the airport at something like six in the morning, so I thought, well, I'm going to get an early to bed. And the text said, your flight's been canceled. Now, this flight had been, had been scheduled since January of this year. So you can imagine I was in a bit of a crush. I took a few deep breaths, and I was able to reschedule. But instead of a nonstop flight from San Francisco Bay Area to Dublin, I ended up on flights that went to Portland, Seattle, Denver, London, And then finally to Dublin. Total of around 30 hours of flying. And when I arrived, my luggage, of course, was nowhere to be seen. So uh, we have to have a sense of humor when we travel, right? You have to have a sense of humor because uh, some things kind of don't go as planned. If you can avoid it, stay away from Heathrow Airport. Oh, my goodness. The rest of the journey, everyone was very nice and flights were fine, although they were long but arriving in Heathrow is like arriving in hell. And for any of you who have gone through Heathrow before, you may know that. It's one of the largest airports in the world. And uh, first of all, I was on a British, this leg from Denver to Heathrow, which was a wonderful flight, by the way, was on British Airways. Take British whenever you can. However, they made us sit on the tarmac for about an hour, which meant That um, it looked like I was going to be late for my next fly, even though I had a couple hours before the next one. And So by the time I got off the plane and they have to put you through security again and immigrations, they had canceled my flight to Dublin and I had to go through the whole process again. So I had two flights canceled within a 24-hour period. And going through immigrations in Heathrow is probably one of the worst things ever. Um, The people don't care. I think what's happened is they've seen too much. They've been there. They've done that. They're not happy campers. And there was this huge line where there was one immigrations person and a very huge line of people who had connections and everyone was late and they didn't care. And so uh, finally I just got out of line and went uh, went back to a British Airways person. And they said, oh, you're, you have already been canceled off your flight. It was like, I can't be canceled. I've got to get to a wedding. And so um, it, it, it ended up working out. They got me back into immigrations. It still took forever. And then, of course, they had to completely search my bag, even though all the bags had been searched before. Fortunately, there was a flight that was delayed, and I was like the last person on arriving all hot and sweaty and bothered, and, but grateful to be on the flight. And then to arrive in Dublin with zero luggage, and I just had a little backpack, and the crazy thing was is uh, before I left, if any of you had been checking weather for that part of the country, Ireland was supposed to be cold and rainy, and I've been to Ireland uh, probably seven or eight times, which I love this country. I'm actually an honorary Irish woman. I actually have a key to the city of Limerick because I was a keynote speaker there about seven years ago and was able to meet the mayor and was on television and was presented with his key to the city. I don't know what it does, but... It's kind of fun to have that honor. <laughs> and um, anyway, and for all the times that I've been to Ireland, I have never once seen the sunshine. And so it has always been overcast, foggy, rainy, cold. But of course, it's gorgeous and green and very emerald. And so I've always loved it. But this time you arrive in Dublin and the temperatures are in the 90s. And when Heather gets on, we'll talk about this glorious wedding that happened in the little music town of Doolin, which is near the Cliffs of Moore. Uh, and uh, on that particular day, it was the hottest day in Irish history since the 1870s. So here, any Americans, and mostly they were Californians who had come for this wedding, had brought winter clothes <laughs> And they decided to have the wedding outside in the sunshine, which was wonderful. Except for there was no shade, so uh, all of us who had all of these winter clothes, it was rather um, it was rather interesting because it was um, very very warm. The wonderful thing was how gorgeous Dublin is in the sunshine. The River Liffey, the nightlife. I think that everybody in the world must have been in Dublin at the time. It was very crowded and really, really fun. But flowers everywhere. I'm actually writing an article about all these towers of flowers that were everywhere. and. My daughter had to keep saying to me, Mom, get out of the middle of the road, because uh, I was taking pictures. I was constantly taking pictures because uh, the flowers were so beautiful. So coming up, we will talk to you about the literary pub crawls and going to the Guinness Storehouse and Temple Bar and Christ Church. And what it was like to be in an Airbnb and to walk everywhere. I, I think we were clocking like 25 miles a day. We just walked and walked and walked, which was really fantastic. But while I have a few minutes to um, tell you about my part of the trip, I, I wanted to share one of the, or a couple of the exciting things of this recent Trip was I was meeting with my first grade teacher, who I have not seen. Uh, let's see, I think the last time I saw her, it probably is 20 years ago. And before that was... I don't know. but It was many years before that. So the backstory to this is I was taught by Sisters of the Holy Faith, which are Irish nuns, when they came to our little town up um, near Napa to open their first school. And this particular nun was very young. She was just a teenager uh, when she came. And since I grew up on a farm, I did not get to go to preschool or to kindergarten. And so... Uh, first grade was very exciting to me. I was learning to write. I was learning to read. I was doing math. And I thought that this teacher was the most amazing thing in my whole life. And so uh, what, was, what was great is the fact that she became my favorite person in the world. And she tells me that I was her favorite first grade student. But, of course, she's had thousands. And she probably tells them all that. So I don't, I don't care about it. But um, she is still just as vibrant and as amazing as ever, and of course, now we're getting to meet as adults instead of me being a little six-year-old, you know, and her being a young teen, and it was so much fun to see her, and then I went, was able to go to her house to see where she lived and everything, and it was fantastic, and I also got to meet up with my sister's first-grade teacher, who also was the person responsible for hooking me up with my Irish pen pal from Glasnevin, Dublin 9, Nora, who uh, is now living in Norway, and her family, all of her family are still in Ireland. So Nora flew from Norway to meet me in Dublin, and she and I got to meet up um, for that meeting with the teachers, with the nuns, because they taught her as well, and that's how we connected. But more than that, then... Uh, She and I went on a road trip, and we went to Galway, and we went to the Aran Islands, and we realized that this was the first road trip that we had done together since we had met for the first time when we were 18. And for those of you who hadn't been to the Aran Islands, they are really, really quite Fascinating. Now we sailed from Galway and that was, um, and then we spent a full day on the Aran Islands and we went with Fahardi tours, which was a great way to see it because the guide was actually born and raised on the Aran Islands. So he had all the different um, backstories. And we went to Anishmore, which is the larger of the islands, and I think it has maybe a thousand. (laughs) people that live on it and then there's maybe 300 but one of the highlights was going to Dun Onkasa, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong but it's perched on a cliff overlooking the Atlantic and it is the largest prehistoric stone fort of the Aran Islands and it consists of three massive dry stone walls, and a chevaux de riz, which is a dense band of jagged upright stones surrounding the fort, and it goes cliff to cliff, and it's designed to impede attackers. Now, it was originally constructed in 1100 B.C., 1100 B.C., And then it was fortified around 700 to 800 A.D. And um, excavations are revealing a lot of evidence of prehistoric metalworking as well as burial sites. And people uh, wonder, the archaeologists wonder, if it was possibly a ritual site as well because there's a platform that goes out and you would fall, I think it's about 300 meters Uh, To the sea, and what the guide had said is that there has never been anyone who has, has survived the fall, and so no one has ever talked about it. So most likely, it probably was a ritual site at some point, sometime between the 1100 BC and, you know, in... The seven eight hundred A.D.s, but going to the Aran Islands is really a great escape from uh, Galway. And then Galway is just this lovely medieval city that has to be um, has to be seen. You know, if you get to that part of Ireland, I was really glad that Nora was driving because the signs are in Gaelic first, and then they're in. Uh, then they're in English, and it's very confusing with all the roundabouts. But Anishmoor is only 18 kilometers long and 5 kilometers wide, and it takes about 45 minutes to get there to Anishmoor from Galway. Now, you can go from Doolin and it's maybe 15, 20 minutes, but the seas are usually really rough, except uh, this the time when I was there because it was such warm, incredible weather. But the Emerald Island is just a wonderful place to explore. It's a very unique environment. but I will say in this heat wave that they were having for the full eight days that uh, that I was there, the grass was already turning brown, and a lot of the plants were dying. and you could really tell, that, you know, this is sort of a drought situation. Now, the Irish loved it. They were out sitting along any of the the seashores or along the canals in their bathing suits and uh, really enjoying themselves. As uh, I actually walked a couple of miles to the Atlantic from Doolan and took a swim in the Atlantic Ocean, which was much warmer than the Pacific. So it was pretty great. But We're going to go to break, and then we'll come back, and we will talk more about Ireland, and then we will maybe fly with dragons in Iceland. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. This is a travel show, and I'm Cynthia Bryan. We'll be back in a bit. Don't go away.
0: Be the star you are. The
1: star you are. Follow us
0: on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Now back to the power party. This business of
1: show Well, you're listening to Star Style Be the Star You Are. I am Cynthia Bryan, and with me now is Heather Brittany. Hello, Heather. Hello, hello. So Heather just got back, literally, from uh, London, and she's been she was traveling as with me in Ireland and Iceland, and then she went on to Amsterdam and to England. Um, so we have a lot to talk about, but is it's crazy to come home, isn't it? Because it's it's just amazing what you come home to. Oh my goodness, yeah.
2: <laughs> so over, even though we had an amazing weather while we were traveling, um, there was an insane heat wave here in California, especially here in Southern California. So um, we had people taking care of our house, and they triumphantly worked so hard to do so, um, but some things are just inevitable, and we had a lot of plants up and die and unfortunately some chickens perished in the heat and um and then something totally unrelated that just happened today i think because the ac is crazy our AC are leaking from the ceiling and now no way <gasps> oh, oh the joy is you know it's so it's uh, I feel like it's always that kind of funny thing of you know you go on these vacations and then you just kind of come smashing back yes. into reality. <laughs>
1: I know, and the reality it's really crazy because we all say that we need to take a vacation, which we do, but then we take a vacation and when we come back, so many things have gone wrong at home that we need a vacation from the vacation to take care. you know how yeah. do we deal with it? I mean, as you know, two years ago when we went to Hawaii, we came home to a huge flood that took over exactly. ten months. Oh my gosh, to fix our house. And you know, and then it, you, that, you, I mean, that's
2: in, and there's always you know the silver lining to it in the end. But yeah, that we thought the same thing now, just finding this leak. Um, but that's um, that's I guess you know that's life <laughs> that's how things that's go. That's part of life so fortunate before that we had the ability to travel. Um, but uh, then it's all the unfortunate things when you get back of like,
1: okay, wow. Oh <sighs> and, and my the hard goodness. Part is, is that you get in it, you come into it full force because like you in Northern California we had a heat wave as well. And um even though I had backup systems in place for people to come and water, it's like everybody seemed to have something happen to them where they couldn't yeah. show up or whatever. And so I'm, I'm dealing with the same thing, a very uh, dead garden, which will come back. Everything comes back eventually, but in the meantime, not so fun. But let's talk about some of the fun things because first yeah. of all, Dublin was really awesome. And one, I think of I think, two of the major highlights of Dublin that I thought maybe we could talk about together was one was going on the literary pub crawl where we learned oh. so much about the writers uh, that were you know uh, Irish writers and then the second thing that I thought was amazing was the Guinness storehouse going on that that wonderful tour of the Guinness brewery and getting up to the gravity bar and learning that it takes One hundred and nineteen point five seconds to pour the perfect beer. (laughs) Yeah, right. And they're very precise about that, and so
2: proud. And it's something—what a million pints are poured a day? Is that what they said? Like of Guinness. That's why I—you know—it's so interesting. I feel like whenever you go to a place, when something is made there. It always tastes better. It always tastes Bye. fresher. It all, for whatever I feel like. It's even sometimes it's like Coronas or something, which I do not like that beer. But when yeah. I mean, go to Mexico, I'm like, God, this is so good. Um, and same thing in Guinness. I typically don't drink, but um, being there in Ireland, having it fresh at the brewery, and um, wow, I, it's it's really a fascinating process and there's just so much passion history behind it. And yeah, um, yeah we have a wonderful, a wonderful tour. And
1: I wanted to go back to what you said about the Guinness, because I have said that for the longest time. Um, I really do love good dark beers. However, um, I did not, I did not, I've never liked the Guinness ever here in America. And of course, You know, you always buy it around uh, St. Patty's Day. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, But that was the reason they said that we don't like it, is because that here it may sit for a week, 10 days, two weeks, because they can't pour that many of it. So it loses its flavor. It loses its pizzazz. But in Ireland, so many pints of Guinness are poured every day that it's always fresh, and that's where the flavor comes from. So... That I exactly. found was really, it was very, very interesting. And yeah, to, yes. and to go up to that gravity bar and to have the view of, you know, all of, of Dublin, that was pretty, that was really neat. But the, um, the, the, what do you call it? The tour itself was remarkable. I learned so much and how smart Guinness was. To get a nine thousand, I've never heard of anything like this, and nine thousand-year yes. lease on the property so that Guinness could be made for nine thousand years. So, you know, they joke that they probably have uh, quite a quite a ways uh, to go because they've only been making Guinness for two hundred and fifty years. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, and it was it was pretty impressive with that. And
2: also there's the James, not the Jameson. Yes, no, there is the Jameson and the Chulies. Um, yes, I did we not take either of those two you? tours, but the ones that they were for, the Whiskey Tours as well. And there was many brew pub tours, um, but the tour, another tour that we loved so much was doing the literary tour. Um, it was so, again, there's so much passion. It was wonderful to see these people that were leading the tour, in between were acting out um, scenes from particular novels or plays. And then we'd get to these historic sites and there was so much history um, in Dublin. And I believe, I don't know if it's in Ireland or in Dublin, that is like the most concentrated amount of writers and poets, you know, such an artistic amount of people.
1: And it was, I mean, because it was so interesting. Um, They started, they're actors, first of all, the people who lead this, tour they are actors and they make it very clear even though it's called a pub crawl this is not meant to be for people who are going to be inebriated or just want to get drunk on a pub crawl this is for people who are really interested in the sights and sounds that inspired writers like Brennan Connelly and Samuel Beckett and Yeats and James Joyce and your favorite Oscar Wilde right? Yeah. so they they acted out, and then they have um, a, a person who plays Irish music. And I just remember when I was sitting there, they started off with Samuel Beckett's, and it was they called it "Waiting for Godot," but we call it in, in, in American English "Waiting for Godot," but in French it's en attendant Godot." And when I lived <laughs> in Bordeaux, when I lived in Bordeaux. Uh, That was the play that I had to do in French and perform for part of my my writing thesis. And it was so funny when they were acting it out in English, I was like hearing it in French in my head. (laughs) So it was, you know, that was kind of interesting. But um, I know that when this was booked, because we did this as part of the wedding, the female wedding party, the hen party, is uh, mm-hmm. when Natalie tried to book this and she said, oh, it's my hen party. They were like, well, that's that is not the kind of thing that we do. Yeah, And so it was very serious, but so interesting. And then we went to many different pubs and you could order something, you know, if you wanted, but you didn't really have a. A long time to to uh, to get anything. Yeah, because... no, you know,
2: I think honestly there was plenty of drinking that was done on it. I think they just they didn't they want to discourage people from coming to it thinking it's just all about drinking. It's more exactly. like we're teaching learned things and then. As adults, it's kind of the thing that kind of gets our attention again after doing an hour of listening to book stuff and reading. That They say, hey, let's throw in a drink. So um, I, I understand what they're saying, there, but, you know, I, and, and it didn't end. Gosh, I will say one thing that has just kind of played tricks on my body and mind. Is um, currently over in Europe is where there is just little to no uh, nighttime, right. and Let's in Ireland, I think the sunset wasn't until about ten or eleven each night. Um, in a, Iceland, we had, no, we had we was... had fifty minutes of of dusk, um, right. and right. even in Amsterdam and beyond, you know, sunset wasn't until about ten, and then the sunrise around four. 440 430 um but it's just that kind of that thing you your mind i'm such a person ruled by the sun so when as soon as it gets dark i get tired i feel like i you know i don't really want to do things anymore but when there's light out i feel like all right let's keep doing stuff and before you know it you realize you're heading out to dinner at ten thirty at night and so the next thing you know that it's 2 a.m so it's it's uh, kind of just been this crazy thought now of just light and day, um, and going through so many different time zones. Um, but yeah, it was Ireland was so fascinating for me. Someone also is I'm not a big city person, and I had been to Dublin before, and I absolutely loved it, and I would say it's such a lively city, such a fantastic music scene, um, great culture, people are so kind, Um, but what the choosing we had gone to Ireland was that I was Matron of Honor in a wedding in Doolin, and we took this bus out to Doolin, and I don't know if many people have been out to the um, countryside of Ireland, it is just breathtaking, and it is insane that it goes from this hustle and bustle city of hundreds of thousands of people to, um, oh, goodness, I don't even know if there's 200 people that live in the town of Doolin. Right. And nearly every, quote, unquote" business there, it's 100% related to tourism. It's either every house has either become a, a bed and breakfast or it's a hotel um, or some little gift shop. And there's only a couple restaurants, and there isn't really the closest um real grocery store and uh, post office I think is almost an hour away. Um there's just sort of a little um gas station mart. But it was absolutely beautiful and just and oh side note before I even I have to say in Europe as a whole the dairy over there, the cheese in Ireland, my goodness, I, I, I wish there was it's a way so I could have brought it over back. It was so incredible. Um, and i feel in everywhere, too, in, in Iceland, in Amsterdam. Uh, I can't speak for in London. We didn't have any. But my gosh, there is just something about um, the dairy production over well, there. Well, it's that because
1: it's of the cows. Oh, if immaculate. you see them and what they're eating, they're eating that wonderful green, green, green grass, you know. And yeah. so the cows are they make they have great dairy, great milk, you know great cream, and it's, all, everything it's less like that processed it's just so much more fresh and
2: I think because as a whole you know these quote unquote these countries are the size of states in America right. um so it was just absolutely incredible I would say that as as a side thing of any cuisine I mean you can get this the dairy cheese anywhere it was just oh flawless in every single
1: way. <laughs> and I would agree with you. I, I'm not much of a city person either. I love the city for the museums and you know we you know, we walked everywhere, went to Christchurch, Temple Bar, you know, all of that. But when you get to the country, you just breathe a a sigh of relief, and I stayed at the most wonderful bed and breakfast in Doolin, and Martina. It was called Dun Roman House, and it's kind of a play on words, like done roaming. <laughs> oh, but, I love that! Yeah, that's what it was. I didn't realize it until Nora, when we pulled up there, my pen pal, she said, "Yes, there. This is what the Dun Roman in Gaelic is. I'm done roaming. In other words, I found my place. I'm here." Oh I and, love that how fun yeah. And it was it was so great because my windows looked out on a little creek and then outside a couple of miles you know away was the Atlantic Ocean which I walked down to swim in. And as I was saying in segment one, it was so hot that uh, nobody was prepared for the heat in the hotel oh my stuff air conditioning or anything this was like, the, I think they said it in the last 100 years or 50 years, some
2: crazy heat wave. And was I was hottest. told, yeah, that Ireland is never hot. You know, it might Absolutely. get warm. You know, 70 degrees is considered like, whoa, Nelly. And we were in the 80s, 90s on the last 90s, day. It was, like this I, yeah, I was laughing that I had brought one pair of shorts and one short dress just as, you know, just thinking in life I might need it. And Did I? I was having to reuse those clothes every day because it was so incredibly hot out, and no exactly. one was ready for that. Everyone thought brought all these big wintry clothes.
1: Right, right, and it was really—I thought it was so funny um, because the, the wedding was absolutely stunning, and to me, the, the hysterical part of it was—is here were these Californians. And everybody had winter clothes, right? And everybody was sweltering. And the Irish were so excited to put on their sleeveless dresses and to dress summery. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, and the uh, the comments were like, "Well, you're from California. You should you should love this." It's like maybe it was the humidity, but it was hot. It was really.
2: It was really hot. And, but you know, it, and one thing I wasn't able to make it down to you in the morning, but if you want to discuss about the Cliffs of Moher, which is a oh, big thing that normally to. you're not yes. able to take this tour, and you did this amazing tour.
1: Yes, the Cliffs of Moher. So, the Cliffs of Moher, I, I, in the segment one, I already uh, talked about going to the Aran Islands, but um, also... If you get to Doolin, and I mean a lot of people just go to this area, or they even can go from Limerick or, or Liscanor or whatever, um, they want to see the Cliffs of Moher. And uh, usually people can only see them from on top, because the waters around the Cliffs of Moher are so, so... Uh, rough and they're usually just huge huge waves that the boats can't leave or if they do leave you usually are going to get really sick on it but the day that we went from the Doolin pier we were able to book a Cliffs of Moor cruise through Doolin uh, it's called the Doolin Aran Island ferries and they said that this has it's so rare that this happens that we were actually able to go right up to the cliffs, and it has the oh. biggest, oh. Uh, the biggest concentration of birds, uh, puffins. It's on the western fringe, oh. fringe of the Atlantic, and it is it is really beautiful. These cliffs go up three hundred feet or more. They're the highest sea cliffs in Europe. No, I'm wrong. Two hundred and fourteen. Meters high. That's what it is. So oh the highest sea cliffs in Europe, they go 214 meters. So multiply that by uh, a meter is 39 inches. So, you know, about 700, 800 feet, right? They're eight kilometers long. And they are from these rock sediments that were laid down 320 million years ago. The largest seabird colony, including puffins and razorbills and all kinds of other birds that are in Ireland, are concentrated in this particular area. And then from below, you can see the O'Brien's Tower and it was built as a lookout on the highest point in 1835. And it was just so, it was this beautiful, calm day, completely calm. So it was like we could have water skied. That's how calm it was. <laughs> we could have water skied. And as I said, I went swimming in the Atlantic, which was warmer than the Pacific. Yeah, and it, but it was warm. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't cold. And I don't like cold water. But it was it was just beautiful. But the Cliffs of Moher are definitely something to see. Now the last time I saw the Cliffs of Moher was about seven years ago, and I went uh, from the top. Um, I just hiked on the top, and it was one of those cold, blustery, rainy, windy days. So the winds were so high, I was really afraid to get close because pe- you could get blown off. That's how that's how. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, and then. You know, for people who are Harry Potter fans, <laughs> there's a Harry Potter sea cave that's down in that area as well. So you may be interested in it. And something that the Ireland has done in the last few years, in the last, in since I've been there, they have this um, area, this road that's called the Wild Atlantic Way. And you took part of it on your bus, Heather, when you came to Dublin. Where you go along, you go all along the Atlantic and go through these tiny little villages and and isn't oh it it's amazing how the buses pass? I mean, how cars uh, can driving you can get a car them? there
2: is a skill, a talent. My gosh, I can't uh, driving a bus. These roads are barely meant for one car. One it ever. is insane. It, every road feels like the what's it called Lombard Lombard Street. It's insane. Right, exactly. I am in uh, a true amazement of the driving abilities there.
1: Yeah, and uh, I wouldn't want to, you know, and of course they drive on what we call the wrong side of the road. So even with Nora, when we went on our road trip, even though she was born and raised in Ireland and she learned to drive on, the left hand side of the road. She now lives in Norway and there they drive like we do in America on the right hand side of the road. So as we were driving, she kept she kept telling me to tell her, to the left, to the left, because we would go around these roundabouts. And you know, when you're used to driving on the right, you're you kind of want to veer that way, but you can't. You know, you have to stay to the left. To the left. <laughs> no,
2: I see, it was so bizarre when we got back last night and getting into an Uber car and the the driving. I've been so used to this whole time seeing cars on with the steering wheel on the other side. It seemed really foreign to me and weird. Yesterday, seeing a car that now normal, thinking, sure, my yeah. goodness, where have I been in life? But I, it felt it felt really this like, oh, yeah, I guess that's how it is over here now. Exactly. I forgot about that.
1: Exactly, exactly. Well, um, the, Heather, I'm just going to just say, Heather was a matron of honor in one of her best friend's wedding, and it was such a gorgeous wedding, so much fun, wonderful food, dancing, the music, Irish music. And uh, Heather gave amazing speech on behalf <laughs> of her friend. It was so great. I, I was really, really proud to hear it. And then um, we, I mean, it was just a, the whole trip was really wonderful. But then we went on a trip to Iceland. And for people who don't know, if you fly Iceland Air, either from America to Europe or from a place in Europe to Europe, you can have a free stopover in Iceland for anywhere from three to seven days. And it's really worth you know, it's really worth doing if you want to go to the top of the world near the Arctic Circle. So when we come back from break, Heather, let's talk a little bit about Iceland. Yeah. And I want to get to your fun times in um Amsterdam and uh, Netherlands because I know you really love love that area. So, um, if that's okay with you, so Iceland coming Let's up. let it. Yes, uh, the land of fire and ice and also where they film Game of Thrones, as they film Game of Thrones in Ireland as well. So you're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Heather Brittany's with me. I'm Cynthia Bryan. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
0: Be the star you are star you are. Change your world. Change your life. Voice America Empowerment.com. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over 225 billion dollars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376-376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party.
1: Well, I don't think either Heather or I saw leprechauns or shamrocks while we were in Mm Ireland. Um, we did hear a lot of Gaelic, and I practiced mine as well. But we decided then to uh, take a flight to Iceland. And so you're listening to Star Style Be the Star You Are. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and with me is Heather Brittany. So we, arrived, it, we arrived in Iceland. We went from the scorching heat of Ireland to really freezing cold <laughs> Iceland. And so it was kind of exciting to be able to wear these winter clothes that we had packed this huge suitcase. Finally, right? (laughs) Right. I finally felt justified because the whole time I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I have this suitcase filled with winter clothes. And just like you, I've been wearing the same dress Over and over, but my one single... I I, I just
2: overpacked 100%, and I brought all this big clothes, I thought it'd be cold, and then finally Iceland came through with being freezingly cold. Beautiful, some of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen in my life, but absolutely
1: freezing, and we were there in a time that's considered warm for them. Right. And it, they were having their heat wave, and their heat wave's about 38, 39 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, God, it's crazy. So, um, one of the things that we did that I thought was really smart uh, is that we went, we took a bus, and we went straight from the airport, uh, and we went to the Blue Lagoon. And what did you think of the Blue Lagoon? Because I know that. Absolutely beautiful. So I will say now as my
2: tips of travel for Iceland, I will say we'll get into another thing because we did take another tour. Iceland, I will say, was very go, go, go. It was fantastic. We were there for such a short amount of time. And if you don't know, um, though, it is so beautiful there. um, It is incredibly exciting. Expensive there. There oh, is so a, a little expensive. trip of trade. If you plan to be drinking any kind of alcohol or little chocolatey snacks, buy them at the duty-free shop at the airport because it's one of the few airports that you can take duty-free out of the airport instead of when you're coming back in. Um, and I will just say, my goodness, it was insane going out to places. Uh, just, you know, if you wanted a beer, it was like $17. It was so crazy. I and mean, a salad people, was but, like $30 dollars.
1: Right. Yeah, Salon I mean, for it was the dollars.
2: short four days we were there. Probably the most expensive part of our entire trip. Um, but the amazing thing about the Blue Lagoon, I will say, um, now that I've been there, I feel that now and now knowing about other little lagoons that you can go to, um, I think if, if for a first timer, I would recommend to go because it is this beautiful, vibrant blue water. This naturally occurring. It smells like smelly rotten eggs, but you would. Like just for, it right, has these hot, oh, my gosh, it is absolutely fascinating and beautiful and soothing. And um, But I will say it is quite, um, you're not the only one that enjoys it. So it is quite a tourist attraction. Um, it's finding the correct times to get there. We kind of came, we lucked out for the most part of kind of coming in right at those sweet spots that when we'd be leaving there would be this whole big kind of rush of people coming in. Right. No, um, well, we didn't
1: have that but, many people uh, there but was, after- yeah, there, when, we, when we were leaving, there were lines, for sure.
2: Yeah, but it's definitely something now. Um, now, the next day, we took a tour that took us all throughout Iceland, um, and we got to see a whole bunch of wonderful natural sites. But at one thing, they took us to another lagoon, quote, unquote, the secret lagoon. Right. That we laugh about because how secret can it be when a tour bus is taking you there. Right, um, right, But right. again, our tour was timed at that perfect time. If we got there, there really wasn't that many people there. And um, it's a different kind of mean The water isn't as—it's more kind of this mercury thing. But it was—I've kind of enjoyed it a, a little bit more. It kind of just has this more secretive spot. But same thing. Right when we were getting ready to re- leave, there was this whole new flood of people. So I guess the, the thing is just timing—the right time for things. Um, but then again, on this second tour. No we took um, there are so many one of the one of the things that uh, I really respect by SN is that it is so forward with this thinking about environmental and using environmental fuels and fossil fuels and yes and their how um, they get nearly all their energy is coming from was it sub the, sub- the
1: geothermal. yeah, the geothermal. they have the bubbling pots, you know, I mean, it's it, it, it's a volcanic island. and so there it's geothermal electricity and all their hot water, for example, their hot water is piped in from these geothermal lagoons. and um, and their electricity is the same way. So it's they are very, very uh, forward thinking. And in uh, that in respect, you know, that kind of, there isn't a, that expense for them, but their food is expensive. They don't think it is, but we certainly did. <laughs>
2: Oh, my goodness. I know we are so questioned of it. So where we ended up staying was this incredible, awesome Airbnb uh, that has a really cool history of it that was the first prime minister of Iceland. Uh, And just it was absolutely beautiful, perfect space, great location, really fun area. Uh, I will say at nighttime it was a really fun area that we could hear the liveliness. And since the World Cup was going on there and Iceland was in it, there was a lot of rowdiness going on. But we were just so amazed of this young crowd, like, how do these people afford to go out here? Because we were, though right. um, so we were so impressed by the food and beverages and hospitality and just and, and everything about Iceland, um, it, it prices, it really, um, it, you need to go into it with a plan of attack and a budget to it because you will be blown away at, at prices. And oddly enough, um, me being vegetarian, that my mind instantly goes to salads and vegetables. On list. and salads tend to be almost um, the most expensive thing or um, one of the most expensive things. Well, and we are should say $35. why. You know, it just well, it's crazy. because it's
1: so cold there. All their fruits, any of their vegetables... Uh, lettuces, all that, they're all grown in hothouses. So, uh, for example, on the second day when we did the Golden Circle tour, right next to this secret lagoon was a farm with these uh, covered hothouses where the lights are on 24 hours a day, you know, and this is where they have to grow their vegetables. Up until a few years ago, fishing was the number one industry in Ireland, I mean in Iceland. And now tourism has taken over because they really are trying to get tourists there. But they, what I was told is the reason that tourism really took off was Game of Thrones. Now, what a lot wow. of people don't know is uh, the astronauts before the moon landing, they practiced in Iceland because wow. Iceland is so volcanic and, and it, it has... Some of the area just looks like the moon and so this was a good practice point for them And when we're you're driving around uh, you had left for Amsterdam and we'll get talking to Amsterdam here in a second but uh, Nora and I went on to the glaciers and we did a south another South coast trip and we went to the volcanoes and the glaciers and these waterfalls and These waterfalls are, you can see where they get their hydroelectric power from the waterfalls. We got to walk behind one, and of course, you get totally soaked, you know, and it's already cold. (laughs) (laughs) You better have, you know, we were wearing long johns and three and four sweaters and a raincoat and hats and gloves, and, you know, you're still really, really uh, cold. But you can tell this is the perfect place to film Game of Thrones. I didn't see any dragons. I didn't fly on any dragons. I was hoping to. But (laughs) I saw lots of puffins. Lots and lots of puffins. So if puffins... They fly kind of weird, but I couldn't hitch a ride. So why don't you just tell us a and, bit? About um, that? And one Amsterdam. thing we don't forget too about
2: the Icelandic horses that we got to oh, ride, which was oh my gosh, such a treat, phenomenal. so beautiful. These horses that are just native to there, and amazingly enough, if they ever leave Iceland, they can never return. Um, but we actually have this beautiful experience in such a very picturesque area where, and the horses were just. Oh, I, I feel like I just wanted to breathe them in all day. It was such a beautiful experience.
1: They were so... Uh, there are many different farms, but the Laxness Farm is the oldest one that started, I think it was like 40 years ago, um, giving horse tours. And they laughed that originally they had... Their first tour was like two people, or the first year there were two tourists. And, and I don't know if that's a, a truism or just their joke. But... Um, The horses are, they're a special horse that is only from Iceland, and they have been shipped out and been bred in other areas. However, as Heather said, they can never come back. I think they're only about 10 hands tall, so they're shorter, they're stockier, and they're able to walk on this volcanic lava, you know, these really tough terrain and it, that was really exceptional. So, if you go to Iceland, you have to ride the Icelandic horse. And a couple of things you have to know about them: they're not a pony. People call them an an Icelandic pony, but they are not. Um, internationally, internationally, a horse breed shorter than one point uh, four seven meters is dubbed a pony. But the Icelandic horse is—it's it's kind of on the limit because it's at one hundred and. Forty centimeters tall I think they have a, they have five gates and that's what makes them really special they have a, a walk a trot, a canter and they can also <laughs> do this flying pace and something called a twat it's a comfortable gate on an uneven ground of Icelandic wilderness, that's what they say and yeah. you will not find any other kind of horse in Iceland, only Icelandic horses, it's been bi- forbidden since 982 and that is to prevent the degeneration of the stock. So you really will not find anything else. And you get to ride them. So they're, it's wonderful. So in the couple of minutes um, left, what uh, tell us a little bit about Amsterdam. Yes. So Amsterdam, just the city of Canals, just
2: such a beautiful culture. Um, this time we were able to be there for about six days. So one, um, we were staying. We had another cool Airbnb that was Airbnb uh, that was in this really cool old loft. Um, if you don't know that. Um, back in Amsterdam, when the city was first being built, they used to be taxed on the width of the houses. So people would grow their houses very narrow and very tall, um, so that they wouldn't have to have these big taxes. So with that, oh my goodness, this city is not built for people. For oh it is only built for people who are able-bodied. I will say these, I these narrow the narrow staircases. Cases, right, laughing. I gosh, I had to get on like all fours to crawl up them. They could seem to get smaller smaller, but the loft was absolutely beautiful, Um, but uh, one thing, there is so much culture, so much life there. This time, we made it down to the museum uh, district. We were able to check out the Van Gogh Museum, which I feel just historically you have to experience. Um, We went to the Sedgwick, I believe it's called, which is sort of this new modern art, um, as well as the uh, Rembrandt and... We all could fix Yeah the all, the, for, the Reitz,
1: it's called the Heights The Rijks Museum.
2: Museum. The Rights Right. That's the where Reitz Rembrandt in my the, and of the all night. was the Moco was the Milken Museum that was featuring a Banksy uh, Banksy which is a street artist um, ex- exhibition as well as two other street artists called Icy and Hot and I my goodness, or Icy and sot. And I, I thought actually of all that that was going to be the least I'd care for, and it actually um, Brian and I were both really taken back that of how um, you know that, that that one we really did you know there's some of the things I have to say you know sometimes you go to art at some of the museums I love you know art is so subjective that you know that I think everyone can agree that someone that some people would be influential but. There are certain things you look at and you think, really? Or, or at least I feel that like, way. Or I feel like maybe I just, I don't get it. And
1: right. um, But, you know, it was sort of... I, I but it was things, wonderful. You know, a well, expression. Josh is telling me that we only have a few seconds left and we have to wrap oh. up this show. All right. All so, right. Well, same thing. The life is big beyond your
2: front door. Get out there and travel, I will say. And hopefully, if you have the chance to, head over to Dublin, Dublin, Amsterdam. I... Iceland uh, and London, too, on your
1: way out. Yeah, just try to stay out of Heathrow, if at all possible. The, that is not a good time. But, yes, these are traveling is a wonderful thing. And then when you get back, just take a deep breath. Because no matter what happens, we will survive it. Well, thank you all for tuning in today to our travels uh, with Heather and I to Iceland and Ireland and Heather to Amsterdam. We didn't get to say much about London For more information about Be The Star You Are, visit bethestarur.org. And to check out our books, uh, go to cynthiabryan.com. And the new book, uh, Millennials to Boomers, will be coming out soon. And I'll have more information probably for you next week. But until we celebrate next Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, just remember That love always wins. So go out into the world and make it a great day. And um, thank you for joining us. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And this is Star Style. So be the star you are. Travel. It's a great big world out there. Be the star you
0: are.
1: The star you
0: are. been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program star style be the star you are We have you on our radar, as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern time right here on the voice America empowerment channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style until we celebrate together next week. Be the star you are.